peace to you, and welcome to a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sign up for weekly digital content at richfieldumc.org. Subscribe, share, and get out there with Jesus to heal a broken world. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a good experience. This is the sermon podcast for the traditional worship service on October 27th, 2019. The sermon title is Invest in the Promise, and it's part one of a five-part worship series called Invest in the Story. The preacher is Reverend Nate Melcher, and the scripture is Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. That's right, you came on Cake Sunday, I mean Confirmation Sunday. Before we go into the scripture and the sermon and our confirmation ritual, we've invited two of our confirmants to please come up and share a part of their faith statement. Hey, I'm Devin. I'm in ninth grade. Here's my faith statement. Uh, I give thanks for all I've been given and pray that God is by my side and those I love when he is needed. I think God is everywhere and my faith tells me to trust in his will. My time in youth group and confirmation has made me think about religion and has made me seek answers to many questions. Most have yet to be answered, in fact. I want to continue to learn. I want to use my faith to help people. Um, my name's Lauren Kosky. I'm in eighth grade. Um, and my faith statement is that I want to be confirmed then, so that I can help others grow in their faith and so that I can continue to grow in my faith at Richfield United Methodist Church. Through confirmation, I learned a lot about God and the faith that I have in God. Today's scripture is from Acts 8. We're continuing our journey through Acts as we look at how the early church can teach us about the church we are now and the church that God is calling us to be in the future. And a couple pieces of context. You'll recall last week that uh, Philip was preaching the gospel in Samaria, so he was going out to the sticks, to, to the place where the Jews did not want to go because they did not get along with Samaritans. And uh, now he's going to another place that a lot of folks didn't go. He's going south toward Gaza, uh, and he's spreading the gospel to outsiders. He's spreading the gospel to the marginalized. And when you read about this Ethiopian eunuch here, there's a few things about who he is that makes him very different from the people whom Philip and the apostles are typically encountering uh, on that time road between Jerusalem and Galilee. So some of the things that make him different than who they're used to dealing with is uh, he's an outsider from a foreign land, he's black, he's Gentile, so he's non-Jewish, and he's a eunuch, which means he's castrated, and so that means, in theory, for his master, he's the ultimate servant or ultimate slave because he's not concerned about his own family's legacy, but only that of his master. So consider all of those things that make this Ethiopian an outsider as he engages with Philip uh, when God sends Philip to see him. Hear this from Acts 8. Then a messenger of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he read was like this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. 
In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he was passing through the region, proclaiming the good news to all the towns to Caesarea. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There you are, the best confirmation class ever. Hello. I've got to check these batteries more often. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yes, hello, best confirmation class ever. So glad to see you. You are the best confirmation class ever. Good people, many schools, many grades coming together. You've been there for each other. Uh, you've done service projects together. You come from good families, and you have good siblings, yes? I, I tried, parents. I tried. Uh, actually, I hate to break it to you, but the story we just read in Scripture, that was the best confirmation class ever. That was the best class ever. Uh, here's why. Think about it this way. It was a very low student-to-teacher ratio, so one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, very low cost. They just had an Isaiah scroll. That was pretty simple. It was very highly efficient. It was all in one day. So that's pretty good. And think of it this way. Here you've got the student. The student is already interested in learning about faith. And then this teacher comes along. Oh, do you need some help? Oh, why, yes, I do. In fact, I was reading the Bible on my own because I wanted to. I'm wondering, do you have any thoughts on this? Why, yes, I do. Let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, this Jesus sounds great. Hey, can I be baptized? Uh, yeah, you can. There, now you're baptized. Now goodbye. I'm off to the next student. I'm sure I'll find even more students who are reading scripture of their own accord and they're taking proactive, intentional steps in developing their own personal faith. Yes, yes, goodbye, no problem. I have full faith that God is with me on the next steps of my journey. I'm going to go tell all my friends about Jesus. And then God is like, well, job well done. Now all I have to do is make sure the Yankees don't get in the World Series because I love my favorite team, the Twins. Class dismissed. That's the best confirmation ever. You're a very close second. So, so one of the things about this Bible story is that it has a lot of questions. A lot of questions. And Philip asks the Ethiopian a question. Do you understand what's going on? And this really gets the ball rolling for uh, how they develop their conversation as the Ethiopian develops his faith. And if there's one thing to remember, as Devin said in his faith statement, questions are welcome. If there's one thing I want you to remember about this church, as you go out and about into the real world as you grow older, questions are always welcome. Now, in my experience, teenagers have a lot of questions. Have you ever been told you ask a lot of questions? Yeah, I was too. I was too. And I used to use questions to goof around in confirmation a lot. 
When I was in eighth grade, I was really into a stand-up comedian named George Carlin. Do you know George Carlin? That's the record to listen to with your parents, maybe, or, or not, but I don't know. <laughs> Get your parents' permission or something. But anyway, I got into George Carlin, and one of George Carlin's routines was that he would talk about all of the questions that he and his friends would put to the priests in his Catholic school just to get them and mess with them. And so I, I would ask these questions to Pastor Norm, and I'd even use George Carlin's silly voices. So Pastor Norm would say, are there any questions today? And I'd say, oh, yeah, is, uh, is God so powerful that God can make a rock so big God can, can't even lift it? Oh, what are you going to do now? Ah. But Pastor Norm would take my question every time I try this, and he'd say, that's a really good question. Let's talk about it. No, Pastor Norm, I don't actually want to talk about it. I just was trying to mess with you. He was pretty good. Questions dictate, I'm sorry, rather, questions in our faith are a delicate thing. In some faith tradition, questions are not allowed. Some faith traditions, they say, why would you ask questions? We've already given you all the answers. Did anyone grow up in one of those churches? There's a couple nods. Other faith traditions, sometimes you can ask all the questions you want, but there never seems to be anything to hang those questions on because, well, we just want you to figure it out for yourself, figure it out for yourself, and then there's nothing to really latch onto those questions. And people float away. Did anybody grow up in one of those churches? Somewhere in the middle is a faith tradition where questions are welcome and there are ways to respond, like tradition. Ask a question, what does the tradition say about it? Ask a question, what does reason say about it? And experience, ask a question, what does experience tell us? My experience, your experience, someone who doesn't look like us, what does their experience tell us about it? I hope that you have found this church to be a place where you can ask questions and we find some responses together. Now in today's story, Philip gets a message from God to get out there and he finds this Ethiopian eunuch, this man who's ultimately responsible, uh, actually he, he ultimately represents the universality of the church's mission. We're here for everybody. And there's so many things that make him an outsider to how they usually do it. And yet God, through Philip, sees him as beloved, and he reaches out to him. Now I've heard a rumor that sometimes teenagers feel different. Is it true? I've also heard a rumor that sometimes teenagers feel alone. I think that's true, too. I've also heard a rumor that God sees you, sees teenagers, sees all people as beloved children of God, and reaches out to you. Have you heard that rumor? If you've not heard that, I want you to hear it now, because it's true. Now, here it is. Rumor has it, I did not always know that's true. Some of you may know this. Some of you may not. Uh, people in the meet and greets have heard this. But part of my faith story is I used to be an atheist. For a long time in my young adult years, I wanted nothing to do with God or with the church. And I, I stomped away for a lot of reasons. And... Uh, you know, one thing is belief in God. That was a tough thing for me to, to wrestle with. But another thing had to do with the church. 
and the way that I was seeing church operate in the world. And I had three charges against the church. When I say the church, I mean the capital C, big overall church, not necessarily my home church. But my three charges to the big capital C church were, one, it's full of hypocrites. Two, the church just wants your money. And three, the church and its vision of God hurts people. I don't know if any of you think that, but I thought that about the time I was in confirmation. I was wrestling. So I want to talk about those three charges and, and what I've come to with those. Number one, the church is full of hypocrites. Well, with this example of questions that I talked about a moment ago, in my experience, teenagers aren't the only people with questions. Adults also have questions about all of this faith stuff, too. Did you know this? Did they admit it to you? It's your confirmation Sunday, and we're asking you to take these vows that affirm your baptism and embrace these beliefs to carry you through life, and yet we don't know all the answers to these questions ourselves. Now, if it seems hypocritical, come on, adults aren't hypocritical. Just ask us. The church is full of hypocrites because the church is full of humans. When we're honest with ourselves, we know that we don't know it all. And the more we know, the more we know what we don't know. Confirmation isn't graduation. It's the next step. You'll be born again and again in your faith and your understanding. And God's not finished with any of you yet. Not finished with any of us. Even the great Michelangelo, who sculpted David, and he painted the Sistine Chapel. He's quoted as saying, I am still learning. And it's said that he uttered this at the tender young age of 87. My second charge as a young person was the church just wants your money. And there are some churches who prey on people. And they trick them into giving their life savings now so they'll earn heaven points for later. And it's gross. It upset me then and it still upsets me now. So in worship, we have this time where we call it uh, giving our tithes and our offerings and ourselves. Now, we don't call it money time, and we don't call it make it rain, and we don't call it fork it over, pal. We emphasize generosity. Having received an abundance from God, we give back in abundance to partner with God. We don't want anyone to ever give out of obligation. That's no reason to give. We want people to give out of their hearts. We partner with God to grow in love of God and neighbor, to reach new people, to heal a broken world. And we offer ourselves because we know that together we make a difference. As a church, we hire paid staff and we elect unpaid leaders who make responsible decisions on how we use resources, including our money, to fulfill God's mission. So that means... If we don't have money, we don't have the lights. If we don't have the lights, then nobody will know that this is a welcoming place for the pumpkin party, so they don't come. If we don't have money, we don't have heat. And on Christmas Eve, that's going to be a heck of a worship service without some heat. If we don't have money, we don't have toilet paper, and I'm not going to get into that. But it also goes to feeding people, and it goes to housing people, and it goes to neighborhood parties like the pumpkin party and it goes to Sunday school, and it goes to confirmation because we believe in you. 
as members, now you will get to decide how you have generosity in your hearts. My third charge was the church and its vision of God hurts people. Has anyone else ever felt that, that church can hurt people? Yes, this happens, and it happens in, in the United Methodist Church. You're joining the United Methodist Church in a time when it can be very challenging to be United Methodist in that big picture. And you've likely known someone marginalized in society and also by the church, and that hurts, and it's wrong. Now, studies show that older generations, we are very, very loyal to institutions, while other studies show that young people are very, very loyal to their friends. And older generations, we can get very frustrated when young people don't want to participate in the institutions that we made. And yet, if the institutions that we've made are hurting your friends, of course people would walk away. If we were smarter, we would stop blaming your generation and take a good hard look at ourselves as the capital C church for what kind of institution God calls us to make. So if the church has ever hurt you or your friends, I am sorry. And we want to do better. We do better with you at the table. So keep asking us big questions. Please be patient with our questions. When it comes to teenagers, we have so many questions. Be patient with us. When you see Christians hurting others and you want to walk away, please remember this about your home church. We taught you to love, not to hate. That's something I wish I'd remembered when I was a young adult. A quick aside about inclusion from this story in the Bible. Uh, by the way, if you're wondering whether God loves the marginalized, in this story, the Ethiopian eunuch is different than anyone else who the apostles have ever encountered. He's from Ethiopia, so he's at the edge of the known world. He's literally an outsider. He's not a free person, but a slave, so not fully in control of his destiny. He's black, which you don't find a lot in Jerusalem. And being a eunuch, he's a minority when it comes to human sexuality. Yet here is God sending Philip to be with this outsider and help him strengthen his faith and be baptized. So if you meet someone who says someone doesn't fully belong in the church because of who they are, I want you to show them this story and ask, well, then if what makes them different lets them not be in part of this church fully, then why is God making such a big fuss over this guy? You want to talk about an inclusive God, a God who welcomes all at the table, a God who, to whom all means all? You show them this story about how the one who is banned by humans is embraced by God. I had to preach there a little bit. In a few minutes, confirmation class of 2019, I'm going to ask you some questions. Garrett and I will ask you a series of membership questions. And they reflect the questions taken on your behalf at your baptism if you were a little baby at that time. And they're questions that we still hold dear as Christians today. To paraphrase them, it goes like this. Do you reject evil and repent of your sin? This is a question about deciding what you want to avoid and where you want to go. Do we accept the freedom that God gives us to resist evil and injustice? This is about whether we're going to do something with the freedom God gave us to fight injustice 
or figure someone else will do it? Do we confess Jesus as the one who saves and is for all? This is key to whether we're going to keep Jesus to ourselves or find that his teachings are so good they're worth sharing. Will we remain faithful members of the church? This is about if we're going to try to get through life on our own or if we're going to try to get through life together. And will you participate by the prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness? This is about being obligated or being inspired. Because Jesus is inspired by you. The Ethiopian is baptized and rejoices that God loves him. Today, the questions for you echo the questions at your baptism and at all of our baptisms. We remember our baptisms and are thankful. Now, I don't mean that you remember that exact moment when you were a baby. Maybe you were crying, maybe you weren't, I don't know. I mean we remember that the Holy Spirit was present in our baptism, that we are beloved children of God, and that we have room to grow, and Jesus is with us every step of the way. So as we enter a season of prayerful discernment on how we steward the ministries of this church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, today we take time to celebrate with you in your confirmation, and we will all remember our baptisms together. So may the questions today not be your last, but some of your first. May we rejoice with you and our next steps on the journey together. And may God confirm that love is free for life and for everyone. May it be so, and amen. This has been a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, copyright 2019. Now, go into God's world, knowing that you are a beloved child of God, and bear witness to the love of God, so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you a generous friend. Thanks for listening.